0: Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com.
2: Point out the colors of you. I see them too. And boy, I like
0: them. I like them. I like them. We wait to fly to partake in all this. Hey, we are here vibing. We vibing. We vibing. Alexa, play Ariana Grande. Okay.
2: With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app
1: today. Lock Talk Radio. Oh, Mama, I'm in
3: fear for my life from the long arm of the
2: law. Got miles to go before we sleep.
3: Long minutes put an my
2: running, and I'm so far from my you will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh,
3: Mama, I can hear you a- crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, can play football. coming down from the gallows, and I don't have them.
0: welcome back and you finally got a win in 2018 good job pittsburgh steelers a 30 to 27 win over the tampa bay buccaneers in tampa florida last night and i tell you what i'm feeling good being off of the snide welcome to the Steeler hangover brought to you by behind the i am brian anthony davis with me, as always, is my good friend, Tony Deffio, and we are ready to roll and talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers' first win of the 2018 season. Before we get started, the show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in western Pennsylvania and West Virginia, and home to one of the nation's top 100 right trial attorneys in Frank Walker. Well, friends, lots of great things to talk about tonight. You know, it's great to know that we had a dated digest this win it started off great 30 to 10 at halftime then all of a sudden the Buccaneers started climbing back it's magic started a bubble and you thought oh no here we go again but the Pittsburgh Steelers pulled it off Tony how are you feeling after this big win to start the season
1: hey Brian uh, thanks for having me as always uh feeling pretty good pretty good. Uh, this time of year, I think it doesn't matter how you get the wins. You, have to, you just have to, uh, get a win. And I thought overall it was a pretty good performance by both the offense and the defense. It, it wasn't all good on both sides, but, uh, after Oh one and one, we'll take it.
0: Yes, we definitely will take it, Tony. Um, so once again, um, this is our first year back after last year, excuse me, the, uh, we took a year off from the hangover, and we did the, uh, the post-game show last year. And now we are going to go ahead and do the hangover. It gives you a chance to digest the game and to think about it all day. And I know the last two weeks, with the tie, with the loss, you know there was a lot of digesting. So there's a lot more celebrating going on this week, and we definitely want to hear from our friends out there in Radio Land. So actually, well, Blog Land, or Blog Talk Land, or whatever you want to call it. Um, So we are looking at uh, this number to call, 347-850-8581. We definitely want to hear from you. We'll take your brief comments, and, and we'll chat. So Tony, let's get right into it. What's your immediate reaction following this game?
1: Well, I thought that the defense really surprised me how, how how it played early on in the first half with the um, four takeaways. And when, was, when was the last time a Steelers defense had four takeaways in the game? It was like a dream come true because I've been wanting them to, to be an opportunistic defense for, I mean, like forever, for years. So for them to uh, four turnovers in a row and, and really set the tone for the game and, and allow the offense to – built a 20-point lead. I think that was, was tremendous. And, and, and you know, Big Ben, what more can you say about him? He's just 36 years old, still nimble in the pocket. That play he made at the end of the game, uh, thrown across his body to Juju after getting out of a – looked like it would be a sack, and then setting up James Conner's uh, run at the end there. It was just, I, you know, it wasn't – like I said, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. A lot of uh, penalties again. And big plays given up by, by Artie and Spencer Ball, and, and you know you, you don't like to see that. But you do like to see what Joe Hayden provided with the, uh, the steadying presence back there. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Here's the thing. You know, they typically say it takes a good four games to know the shape of your team. And uh, we're going to know the shape of the team even more coming up in another week when you're facing an arch rival at home in prime time, the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, once a quarter of the season is in the books, we're going to know so much more where this team is shaping up, but we can see it happening already. And right now we're seeing Ben Roethlisberger as the clear leader of this team that he is the most indispensable player on this team right now at this moment. And we're seeing what is happening when he is in the lineup. And with the way the defense is playing – There was some improvement yesterday, but it's, of course, not where we want it to be. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the grades. But we're seeing that he is going to need to have games like this all season long if the defense continues to play like this and if they're going to make the playoffs. So lots of stuff to talk about, Tony. But you know what? It's great to see our phones lighting up. So we're going to go to the phones already, go a little bit early, 347-605, you are on the line, welcome to The Hangover, tell us what's on your mind.
2: What's up, y'all, this is uh, Ken from New Jersey, how are you?
0: Ken, it's been a year, my friend, how are you?
2: (laughs) I'm doing great, doing doing a lot better, you know, today than uh, the last couple weeks, so, um, doing great, doing great. Happy to be back, and um, I was looking out for you know for the show, so I'm glad I caught you. Well, great.
0: What's on your mind, buddy?
2: <laughs> yeah, so there's a, a couple things. Like it's it's definitely great to get the win. I mean, my takeaway was, okay, you know, we'll always find something to complain about as Steelers fans. You know, we are spoiled. We have what would they call them high class problems, or you know, like. So we'll always have something to complain about. But my my takeaway is, yes, Ben is going to have to continue to be this Ben. So I think with Bell out, it's interesting. Um, Ben would always get docked in, in MVP voting because how great Bell was and how great Antonio Brown was. Without Bell and Brown is being, you know, kind of bracketed and he's not putting up those big numbers, I think this season is going to really highlight Ben Roethlisberger's greatness and it's really going to showcase how important he is and how he really is the straw that stirs the drink rather than the other way around. And um, I think that's good because it's it's going to allow other people to shine when he will just dump it off to Bell. He's forced to look at other options like a Vance McDonald, um, like a Jesse James, like a James Washington, you know, rather than just going to Bell all the time and Brown and force-feeding it down Brown's throat. So um, that's one thing. And on the defensive side, you know, as bad as this defense is, I think we saw some flashes in spurts of what it could be. What we want is for it to be consistent, and they're just not doing that. And I want, I want to take listeners back to, like, 2011, 2012, 2013, and 14. The Steelers' defense was old and slow. So would you rather the defense be old and slow or young, athletic, and undisciplined? And I just really want people to think about that because we, we forget this defense was old and slow and everyone was calling for the, uh, Dick LeBeau's head and they need to draft new people and, like, all of that stuff. We forgot about that. So we have the young core. They're learning on the fly. The bullets are flying live, and this is going to happen. But if they grow up together, and, you know, by the end of the season, we could be a pretty good defense. So those are my thoughts from the game. Well,
0: great. And Now let me ask you this, Ken. What do you think is the, uh, the biggest weakness on defense? Uh, you can say a player or you can go ahead and say a, a position unit. Um, I think it changes every week. But where do
2: you think it is right now? Uh, I really think – the biggest weakness, it's It's still the uh, the middle linebacker, as much as Fosick had a good game. But we don't have that rangy middle linebacker to cover that ground for the deep middle of the field. And it would have helped last night if Morgan Burnett was in there, um, you know, to be in more sub-package football. But it's, it's that middle linebacker. Obviously, Artie is not playing well. I feel I don't even know if he's regressed. He just was never – you know, he's never really peaked to where we thought he would be. Um so yeah, you could say corner two. Um, but like that middle linebacker position, we we gotta figure that out. And we it might have we might have to scheme it. Tony, what do you think about that?
1: I agree. I think the uh the middle of the field's been exposed all season for the first three games, but uh I think the encouraging thing about last night in, at least in my opinion was the uh the way Bostick played and I think he was pretty active and the uh I think Edmonds for filling in as a as a uh third <laughs> a rookie starter, I think he he did pretty good and, and he uh he got that pick and you know he put on the jets that I didn't even realize he had. So maybe that's maybe he can be the remedy down the road, you know, if you work him in, in more and more as the season progresses. Maybe he could be that, uh, the guy that they thought he could be as far as being able to compensate for the loss of shit here and, and that lack of athleticism in the middle.
0: I agree with that completely. Ken, thanks as always. We appreciate you and we can't wait to hear more from you this season, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you. See you again. All right. Take care, buddy. You know, I, I like Ken's assessment and, and, uh, Ken from Jersey was is uh, has been a mainstay on our show for the last year, and I always really appreciate what he has to say. Um, you know, I you know I agree with him to a point with the uh, the linebackers. I actually think that situation's getting a little bit better, but my biggest problem with the linebackers is not the players as much as it is the scheming. I'm not liking having. T.J. Watt back in coverage, especially on deeper patterns as much. That's something that, uh, that I think is really taking away a lot of his ability. Um, love, we saw what he uh, did when they schemed for him to be pass rushing against Cleveland. I think that's where he's really going to excel in. Um, but as far as everything goes, uh, where Ken was mentioning the secondary, Artie Burns and, uh, and Cody Sensabaugh, that tandem, I'm not sure. I think that's the big weakness. He hit it on the head. I don't know if Artie ever got to the place where uh, any of us wanted him, um, even himself wanted him as a uh, as a first round pick. And I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you this, Tony: Is it hindering him, tuning him with Cody Sensabaugh, or is it, or is that uh, better? Because I don't think any of them were better, but. Does he need more time in there during a game, or uh, do we have to keep that platoon going but that's the biggest problem to me. What do you think don
1: i i I didn't like the fact that they that they platoon burn I think he's one of those, and we talked about this two weeks ago with uh with his uh, little scrum with jarvis landry he He seems like the kind of young guy that you know once once something gets in his head and he starts second guessing himself and he starts, and he gets emotional. I think it affects his play. I mean, we've seen him before in the past have really good games where you don't even you don't even mention him. He he, he he shuts the other guy down, and and now we see two games in a row where he's just he, he's um letting the receivers get behind him. And I think he's playing. I think he's second guessing himself too much. And I think he's looking over his shoulder, and, you know, at a guy like Cody Sensabaugh, wondering you know if, if the next mistake is gonna is gonna send him to the bench. So I think he's the kind of guy that should probably uh, just be left out there to, to take his lumps. Because it, we, we let's be honest, Something like Cody Sencevall, he's an okay guy. He's a journeyman, but he, he's not somebody – I mean, I, I didn't – I figured if they would replace him with anybody, it would be uh, Cam Sutton. I didn't think – I was wondering if Sencevall would even make the team this year. So I, I think he should just, for now, being if, 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 – what you have behind him? Just let him stay in there and take his lumps, unless it becomes so obvious that he can't that he can't get the job Then, then maybe maybe you make a, a more of a either a, a a platoon move or a permanent move with somebody else taking his place. Brian. Okay,
0: well let's uh, let's stay with the defense. We need to do our grades, and uh, but let's go ahead and grade the defense first. Um, that performance yesterday, you know they started off like you said, they they were getting turnovers. They uh, for the first time they they won the turnover battle and we had a pick six. We haven't had that before. I thought they were tackling so much better, Tony. I was really impressed with uh I was impressed with Burns, you know, first forcing the fumble, I was I I liked the fact that they were going ahead and, you know, they were pass rushing, causing Causing more opportunities. I mean, Bud Dupree. I thought Bud Dupree had a very good game yesterday. Um, so as far as everything goes, I really thought that they were playing better. And I, you know, at this point, I I think that's that's the best that uh, they looked when you're looking at the first half. The second half, I don't know whether it was the fact that they were in cruise control. Whether the fact that it was 30 to 10, and they were just trying to get the, uh, get the game going, get the game moving and uh, expiring in the clock, maybe they were playing too much prevent, but they were getting exposed in the second quarter, so uh, the second half. So it was a tail of two halves. Do you think that the second half was more indicative of the problems of this team, or it was more indicative of just trying to go ahead and expire that clock, Tony?
1: I think I think it was more. I think they, they started playing more. I don't want to say prevent, but I think they started playing more zone. If I if I remember the, the announcer were saying correctly, I think they were playing more zone in the second half. And I think in the first half they were more they were more active. And 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 when this defense going back to last year in Cleveland in week one, whenever it's more aggressive, it seems it's and they seem like like more of a gang mentality, gang tackling mentality. I think it's a better defense. I think whenever they try to sit and play a little bit more passive, I think I think it it shows in their play. So I think it, I think they just started to get a little bit more passive in the second half. And I think that's I think they need to be one of uh defenses that is always aggressive, going after the quarterback and flying to the football.
0: What's the best grade? If we go ahead and take our red pen out, what's the uh, the most honest um, the the most worthy grade that we could put on this defense and Keith Butler's boys.
1: I I'm going to say uh, uh, B minus simply because the way they responded after uh, that first touchdown in the, in the very first half after uh, the first quarter after Ben's interception and the way they responded at the very end there because it looked like they were falling apart. <laughs> you know, they the, the Bucks scored 17 straight points in the second half. And then they get the ball back again at the at the, the twenty with what three minutes left, and the four is a three and out there. I think that was uh I think that moved them from a, a C plus to a B minus. So I'm going to give them a B minus for for uh their their efforts.
0: I was in the C plus range, and I'm finishing up the grade report. Um, I'm probably going to keep it at a C plus, but that B minus does have a lot of merit. Let's uh switch back over to the uh, the offense. Um, you know, I think our valedictorian is going to come from the offense yesterday. There's a lot of guys that you can go ahead and look at. Look at um, Before we uh, do that, let's look at the honor roll. So I'm thinking the first guy you're looking at on the honor roll was one of the greatest plays of the year so far, the stiff arm from hell. Mm-hmm. Vance McDonald, 75 yards, and – I don't know if you saw this today, but the guy he stiff-armed, Chris Conti, is out for the season.
3: Really?
1: No, I didn't do
0: So I don't, know, I don't know if it was a result of that play, but he is on injured reserve for the rest of the season. And that, uh, that was the water cooler talk of the day, that stiff arm, and everybody is talking about it. shot my kids off at school, the principal. wanted. He's not even a Steeler <laughs> fan. He just wanted to talk about that stiff arm. Vance McDonald, when he is healthy, a man among boys. Um, I have a guy who, I have a good friend who's a Patriots fan, and he was like, that guy was Gronk like out there, is what he said. And, you know, really, if, if you can compare, if you have a Patriots fan comparing Vance McDonald to Rob Gronkowski, that's a compliment as far as play goes. If you're talking about his bar hopping ability, that's another thing. But if you're talking about, how he played on the field in that play, yeah, that was good. And if you hearken back to um, January and that Jacksonville game, Vance McDonald had 10 catches. He has a great rapport with uh, with Ben Roethlisberger. So, for me, that tight end position is a whole lot better when you have Vance McDonald and Jesse James in different options to go to. And that even makes Ben better. So, on a roll. We're gonna put Vance on the honor roll. Um, we're going to, I'm gonna put all the touchdown guys on the honor roll. You got to put Switz on there, Ryan Switzer. He made it. He made that was a tough catch. Ben, I mean, I didn't think he was actually gonna catch that ball. Did you, Tony?
1: No, I, I thought I, I. I'm surprised that he was able to hold on to it. The way the way he approached it, I thought, gonna uh, uh, squirt through his uh, through his body as he was going out of bounds. But the <laughs> fact that he held on to it was amazing.
0: Ben Cannon that ball from short range. Yeah. That's like getting yeah. shot shot from, from uh, close range with a gun. That's, and to be able to hold on to that, I mean, that was pretty impressive. And then what can you say about Antonio Brown? Um, you know, look at that. That pass play, he made that touchdown. He just made that guy miss. Then he turned on the jet. And that was probably – one of the the prettier short pass turned into a touchdown that I've ever seen from Antonio Brown. It was a very inspired uh, route. It was just a, it was very short, but he just made a mess and then he turned it on, and you knew right away. You're like, there's no catch in this guy.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it, I think it it it, it illustrates the uh, or it illustrated the, the the chemistry between he and Ben because I if, if I. Maybe I, I heard wrong, but I thought maybe it was a like a, a run option play too. But it, they, you know the guy was playing so far off, it was like stealing candy from a baby, as they say. It was just you've seen those two hook up on that kind of play a, a lot over the years. So it was, and and it, it just goes to show you with Antonio Brown, he doesn't need to do much to 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 really help the team. He just he just he draws so much attention away from everybody else. And you know five catches, sixty yards, and a touchdown. That's that's uh, we call that a bad game for most for for him, but for most receivers, they would take it.
0: Yeah, and and he's still he's still among the leaders as far as uh, as uh, targets and catches go. Uh, James Conner, a nice day as well. Only sixty-one yards on the ground, but he averaged uh, a tad over four yards per carry. But if you look at the you know you combine in the receptions he had a 95 yard day um pretty soon you know you're really not even thinking about Le'Veon Bell anymore um is he the uh is he the dominant runner that Bell is no but with the way that this defense is he is very value- excuse me the way that this offense is playing that he's very valuable, and you can go ahead and spread the ball around, and it makes him even more dangerous. But the guy we have to give validatorian honors, there's there's no question, there's no question, it's Ben Roethlisberger.
1: Absolutely, I mean he was he was much more efficient than he was the week before. I mean 30 of 38. I mean you can't for 353 and three touchdowns. You can't ask for more than that. And after that. That early interception, you're thinking, oh, here we go, uh, road Ben, or rusty Ben, whatever you want to call it. But uh, the way he 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 settled down and he looked like 2008 Ben, the way he was, uh, you know, getting, getting. I think it shows, it illustrates the difference between him and a, and a quarterback like like uh, Fitzpatrick, around the same age. Yeah, but one one has really no mobility, and and, and Ben, that's, he's one of the greatest ever at doing what he does. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that that pick.
0: So we got primetime Ben back yesterday. We've got so many versions of Ben. Um, now, we did miss a guy. We missed a guy on the offensive honor roll. And, you know, it's funny because it's just getting to the point where every week I have Juju Smith-Schuster on the honor roll. This guy would be one a wide receiver one on Almost any other team, with the exception of maybe Atlanta with Holyo, um, maybe we pay Tampa because I love Mike Evans what he's doing, and and in fact I actually think Juju's just uh, so dangerous. I know I know AB makes him better because it gives him more opportunities, but Juju Smith Schuster is becoming one of the better receivers. In the entire National Football League, and what he's accomplishing week in week out. I mean, no touchdowns yesterday, but two big catches. One early in the game that was just uh, that helped set up a score, and that was just huge. And another one to end the game to close out Tampa when they needed it. Ben is going. Ben is going to juju when he needs it. And you know, it's funny we we talk about Antonio Brown he's fine when they win but he's he's not happy with his production when they lose so i mean he wasn't complaining about uh the balls in the victory yesterday and um i i think juju is uh making life so much easier for the, that team when you're double double covering a guy like antonio brown you've got two one number one receivers on that team um so as far as that goes, you know, we're we got to give the offense. I mean, I'm giving the offense a uh, an A minus,
3: and uh,
0: the only reason I'm just giving them the minus, I thought the offensive line. Um, granted, you have two starters out on the right right side. Um, DeCastro's out, Gilbert's out. I thought Filer and fin- Finney. They held it together pretty well. They played well, but Ben was running for his life. But a guy that wasn't out but was getting victimized was Al Villanueva, and Jason Pierre-Paul was was giving him problems all day long. So um, Ben could have got murdered there, and that was the biggest strike against the offense. I'll go ahead and say an A-minus. I was originally going to say a B-plus, but I'm going to – I'm going to give them a little leeway on that, Tony. What are you saying?
1: Yeah, I'd say A minus. I think it could have been it could have been better if not for the, the pick in the beginning cuz I think that led to a touchdown for for Tampa and the way they sort of I don't know, stalled a bit in the second half. Um I, I don't know. I think at one point they had about 60 yards over like a, a quarter and a half of the of the second half if I'm, if I'm not mis- mistaken. So, you know, I think, you know, if they would have been more efficient in the third, third quarter there, I think they could have put the game away quicker and not let Tampa Bay get back into it. But overall, I think it was, it was the best that they've looked all year on, on offense.
0: Quickly. Let's take a look at the special teams. I'm just going to throw out C. I don't think, uh, Jordan Berry's average was better, but I still thought, uh, His punting was shoddy. I think one of the reasons he's being kept around is because uh, Chris Boswell with him and is more comfortable, but Chris Boswell is not kicking well right now either. Um, Pretty soon you're going to get tired of the misses. Today, you know, Mike Tomlin came out and said, hey, he's our guy. We're sticking with him. He's our guy. And I know they trust him. And I know last year, there's about three or four. I mean, that could have been a nine and seventeen without Chris Boswell last year. Um, he that's how many games that he won for them, and I have confidence in him, but it's waning now. And last week, I'm sitting at the game, and he finally kicked an extra point, and uh, the crowd, uh, the crowd had sarcastic cheering for him, and it's just to the point where. He, you got to be like, what's going on with his head right now? Where is he? Um, it's almost like he has Steve Blast disease. He's wild all of a sudden. I mean, two times hitting the right upright. I don't understand it. Um, but I'm hoping that he gets that one big kick in the Ravens game that completely uh, shocks his system back into uh, – into the greatness that we've seen from him. But what do you think is going on with boss?
1: I think it goes back to the Cleveland game because you didn't see this. You didn't see any signs of this at any point of his career. And you certainly, it's not even in the preseason, he looked like his old self in the preseason. And then he missed that kick in, in overtime, you know, again, compensating for the, for the weather. And I think it's, it, you know, once with some kickers, you know, it's once they get a, a, a bad experience, sometimes it stays with them. And, and like you said, he just needs a uh, he needs he needs a big kick. He needs to make a big kick in a clutch situation. And I think that that might turn him back around because he's been too consistent throughout his three plus years here for him suddenly to just lose it. He, it's not it's not a, it's not a health issue because he, he's booming the, the kickoffs right out of the end zone uh, just about every time. So it has to be a mental thing. And it, it it's affecting him mechanically and I think he just has to um figure out a way to, to, to get through that and I think once he does, hopefully he'll be okay but hope hopefully he'll figure it out before uh Mike Tomlin gets the uh the itchy finger because you know how coaches are. I don't I don't you know, he he's your guy one week, but <laughs> he costs you a couple games, he's not your guy anymore.
0: Shit. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, I had a buddy that went to the game yesterday. He said that it rained quite a bit before the game, um, just heavy rains, to the point that they were not even letting people drive into the parking lot. They just stopped you, and you couldn't go in and said that uh, that made the, the field very slick. So that could be could have been a part of it. And, you know, the special teams really um, – nothing else really impressed me on special teams. Um, it was just there. You know, they gave up that what could have been a backbreaker Deshaun Jackson's run back that was thankfully called back because of a hold. I don't really know how much that hold had to do with it. But, I mean, I thought he turned on the Jets and looked pretty good there, and I thought they got a break. But, you know, even though that didn't go against them, you know, when you're uh, watching those courtroom dramas and they're like, well, you have you can strike that from the record. Um I can't strike it from the record, though. It's in my mind. I saw it happen, even though it's stricken. Um, So I'm just going to say C- for uh, the special teams with all of the problems all the way around. Um, Really, the special teams are becoming a liability for this team, and I'm just going to leave it at that, Tony. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, listen to this message from Frank Walker, and we're going to uh, continue on. With the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly, and finish-up detention. Smart or stupid? Those strobing lights in your rear view? That flashlight shining in your face? License, registration, and insurance, please. The little adventure you're about to have with this guy? Uh,
3: I'll need you to step out of the vehicle, please.
2: Okay, so you've done something stupid. Fix it with a
0: smart move. For
2: DUI or criminal defense, call Frank Walker of FrankWalkerLaw.com. He knows his way around a courtroom. 412-532-6805, 412-532-6805, or FrankWalkerLaw.com.
0: For his PA office, once again, call 412-212-3878 or West Virginia, 304-712-2089. You could also check out his website, frankwalkerlaw.com, to see how he can help you in your time of need. Frank Walker Law, real talk, real experience, real results. Now, let's uh, you know finish up the grades. We talked about our valedictorian, which is Ben Roethlisberger. Um, we talked about honor roll on offense. We'll throw in some more honor roll guys uh, real quickly here, Tony. Um, would you agree with me if I threw in Bud Dupree and Terrell Edmonds as far as honor roll players? But uh, another guy on defense that I want to talk about is John Bostick. Look, I know he's no Ryan Chazier. Um He's not going to do for you what Ryan Chazier could could do, but I thought he's filled in um, that middle, uh, that inside linebacker position very well, and uh, I thought he had a, a very good game last night. Another guy I want to throw in is Mike Hilton. So those four guys oh, yeah. I would give honor roll status to as well. Is there anybody you think I'm missing?
1: Uh, I did you say Joe Hayden? Oh, I can Yeah, yeah. I yeah, almost I forgot.
0: That that is just, you know, that's unacceptable for getting Joe Hayden because i got to tell you, Tony, we talked about, and this is something that I had written down that I wanted to discuss, we talked about at the beginning of our uh, podcast tonight how we have found Ben Roethlisberger to be the most indispensable guy on the offense. If you take him away from this team, I don't know what you're going to do because we have, I mean, you don't want to lose a guy like AB, but you know you have a guy like James Washington and definitely a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster. We saw what happened when you take away Le'Veon Bell and you put in a guy like James Conner. You're still going to have results. But without Ben, you're not going to have. You're just not. You're going to have a huge drop off. We saw the huge drop off on the defensive side of the equation. With Joe Hayden, and you see him back, and you just see what he can do. He is a leader on the field. He's a leader on the sidelines. He's a leader in the locker room. He had a huge hit yesterday that set the tone, jarring a, a short catch loose from Chris Godwin. I, I thought he was absolutely incredible yesterday. Um, Joe Hayden is so invaluable to that defense right now, so he definitely gets honor roll status. In fact, um, I think he is the guy that is stirring the drink on the defensive side of the ball, and he needs to stay healthy. So if you're looking at the indispensable players, I think you have to add Joe Hayden as one of, him, one of them. And last night he really showed up to the point that I heard them talking on Sports, Radio, Sports Talk Radio today, and I was thinking it as well. If he's in that Kansas City game, it could be a completely different story.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that that in the three games so far, the, the two that he has been in there, they they look like the Steelers' defense of last year, you know, active, uh, uh aggressive, uh, a lot of passive defense. I mean, that, that the pass defense he had at the um I, know, I think it was early in the or maybe late in the first half where, where he 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 reached around and knocked the ball out and, and, and I think it was third and five, or third and goal from the five, and, and I think they had to kick a field goal. That was a that was big play for for a, for a game that came down, you know, a three point game. And 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 you look at look at Deshaun Jackson, you know, the, look the, the numbers he put up the first uh, two weeks, and he had three three catches for 37 yards. Uh, you hardly you hardly, other than that punt return, you didn't even know he was there. So I, I think it, I don't think it's any coincidence that that. He just, he just makes his defense go. It's it's amazing. You know, they don't get enough credit for, for being aggressive last year and and going out and and, and picking him up and signing him right away. He's just a great, a great uh, addition to this team.
0: What a, what a great signing. And, uh, he's also the guy that, uh, you know, have higher offers elsewhere. Um, but wanted to come to Pittsburgh and not just, not really to punish Cleveland, but to have a chance to win all the time. He saw the culture twice a year and wanted to be a part of it. I absolutely love Joe Hayden as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I wish he would have come here in 2010. Um, that's how good I think that guy is. I I think he's a perfect Steeler. Um, as far as everything goes, um, yeah, you have to talk talk about him as uh, a possible valedictorian. We gave it to Ben, but I would say that, you know, he's the runner-up um, in this situation. So as far as everything goes, we did our grades. You know, we're looking at an A-minus for the offense. Um, you and I are, are you know, splitting hairs with a B-minus to a C-plus for the defense. And uh, I just threw out a C-minus for the special teams. Um, we're going to go to the phones right now seven three two two six six. This is a number that I recognize from last year. Great to hear old friends back on the hangover. Who do we have here?
3: Good evening gentlemen. Vito from New Jersey, why are you?
0: Vito, welcome back. Good to talk to you in two thousand eighteen, my friend. I'm glad to hear your voice. I uh I was missing you the last couple of weeks, buddy.
3: I didn't realize what time you guys were on.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah we we have moved to nine thirty this year the uh the day after the game we we had a slight we had a slight change in the program to um we went okay. back to the hangover uh format just to give people you know a day to digest the game um thought that would be a whole lot better so what's on your mind buddy
3: i was i uh, i'm actually thinking yesterday i guess you guys realized when you came down to that final drive where uh I think it's twenty. it's thirty to twenty is it thirty to twenty two? Or thirty to twenty one? And they get the big touchdowns to Mike Evans in the uh in the end zone and I'm saying to myself, if Pittsburgh doesn't put it away in the next drive, these guys are gonna come back and either tie or take the lead and at the end of the game I was thinking of the missed P A T by Boswell and then the missed fuel, which that game could have ended with Pittsburgh winning by a touchdown, it would have put more pressure on the other team to score a touchdown just to tie it and send it to overtime. The other thing my thoughts are on is maybe on Bell. Do you think this team could still operate all year round without him? Because it just seems like some of the runs that Connor wasn't getting yesterday, Bell probably gets. I, I don't know. To me, I just feel that there's still a different team without him. That He could still add more value. He-
0: you know what? He does. He does add value, but to my point, um, he adds fracture to this team at this point. This, is all, this has become a divorce. In fact, I'm not sure if we actually see Le'Veon Bell back this year. But for me, I would rather have a guy like James Conner in there with the added weapons you have around him where um, Tony made a comment earlier that I just love, and the comment was the fact where they where Ben used to check down to Bell, he's finding guys like Vance McDonald and Jesse James. Excuse, uh, yeah, Jesse James and James Washington and yeah. even Juju, and he's spreading the ball around a whole lot more, and they're so much more dangerous. So um, yeah, he's a better he's a better runner as far as that goes, but I think you have more of a complete offense and a less predictable offense with with James Conner in there as opposed to more predictability in a guy like Le'Veon Bell. Because, uh, Tony, help me out with this. If you look back to the Jacksonville game, uh, it was predictable what they were going to do they, on, in the running game against a good defense where they were just going to continue to go to Bell, and they were just snuffing it out, just like that. Tony, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there were those two fourths and ones where they tried the um, the pitch outs to Bell. I mean, they, they 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 saw that coming from a mile away. So, yeah, I think I think it, it does, look if you others have pointed this out, um, going back to 2015 with D'Angelo Williams, the offense has been extremely productive. Without Bell, not, and you can't take away with Bell the kind of back he is, and what he what he brings to the table. I mean, I think that would be unfair to him. But there's no question that this offense has proven that it can it can function at a higher level without him. So, like you said, he he, he it's it, it's pretty much a divorce at this point. He doesn't want to come back. He doesn't want to be here. So, I I don't think it. I think that what which, which they're proving right now is is they can. They can get along without him.
0: You know, I would you know, I would love to have him back. I would love to have an engaged Le'Veon Bell back, a guy that wants to be here. Um, would you agree in our assessment that they can do so many more things um, and be more diverse without him um, with the weapons that they have?
3: well i think they have no choice i think they have to right because i think they realize that they got to move away from him because like you said we don't know if he's coming back there's a good chance he's not so they have to stick with what they got they got to use what they got what about using some of that cap space now to bring in maybe a veteran player
0: um where are you talking a veteran running back or are you talking yeah. um somebody on the de- defensive side of the ball
3: what do you think? On offense or defense, where where could we use help?
0: You know, I I'm not sure, um I was thinking since May that they would bring in a guy like Navarro Bowman, but I think at this point, uh you know, on defense, a linebacker, I just don't think there's anybody really that they feel strongly enough that to bring in now. But they can take that cap money and roll it over into next year and have, and really replace him then. So I, I don't know whether that's uh whether that's going to help them now, but they're scouting and I'm sure they're looking and, you know, there's talking about there's trade possibilities, even though it's going to be very difficult to do, but there's a possibility of uh, trading him and, you know the New York Jets came up, and and if uh, if you would trade a guy like Le'Veon Bell to the New York Jets, they're probably going to give you a draft pick and maybe a running running back like Isaiah Crowell back in return. Um, you might get a second round pick and a guy like Crowell. You uh, or maybe you can convince them to give you a guy like Darren Lee. Um, an inside linebacker, but that's probably a pipe dream at this point, but there's there's definitely possibilities. I just don't know on the mark open market if there's a guy on the couch right now that could come in and help this team, but believe me, I'm sure they're looking and they know so much more than I do. Um, so i'd like to I'd like to see that happen and then use that cap space, but I don't know what the options are. But the good thing is that they will have a lot of cap space to go ahead and use next year, and this will help carry over. Is that am I correct in that thinking, Tony?
1: Yeah, I I think if if, if Bell remains here throughout the, the rest of the year, they, they accrue his weekly salary every game he misses. So I think they're better off just um, personally. I think they're better off just letting him sit out and. And if he wants to come back in week 10, say, all right, uh, you can come back, but you're, you're going to be inactive the last six weeks and just let him go next year. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't create another James Harrison scenario by, by releasing him. I mean, if you can get a trade for him, fine. I, I'd be, what you, the scenarios you laid out, that'd be perfect. If they can do that. But otherwise I would just let him, let him do what he keeps doing. He's not, he's not, being disruptive right now, he's just he's just out, out down in Miami doing whatever he's doing. Let him keep doing that. There's no there's no sense in, in just everybody wants them to you know, just cut 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 him loose right now. Why? I mean, why do that? He he's not here being a distraction. He's he's away. So if, to me, if if you cut him now, you're just you're just uh, cutting off your nose to spite your face because he's just gonna go sign somewhere. and You're not gonna get anything for him. So just let him sit out. And-
0: and you give him what he wants. You know, if you exactly. uh, if you go ahead and ju- if you just don't get rid of him, you at least get a uh, 2020 uh, third-round compensatory pick. And so they'll just take anything. And if they could trade him now for a third-round pick, a lot of people would be up in arms about that. But think about it. I I would do it. I would take a third-round pick for 2019 right now at this point or a second round pick or a second round pick and a veteran that somebody needs to dump, um, like a Crowell, um, to that point. So, uh, Vito, I hope we answered your questions there. And it's so good to hear your voice again, my friend.
3: Gentlemen, thank you. Have a great evening. I appreciate all your feedback.
0: All right. Thanks buddy. We'll see you next week. Got it. All right. One of our Hall of Fame callers, Vito from New Jersey. Great to hear from him. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up. And, Tony, we're going to look forward. Big one next week, the Baltimore Ravens coming into town. And a lot of people didn't believe me when I said that I think this team is for real um, at the beginning of the season. I really think that this is a dangerous football team. Um, They're red zone. They're 12 for 12 in the red zone so far this year with an even – pass-run differential as far as touchdowns. Six rushing touchdowns, six passing touchdowns. Flacco looks engaged. Um, Some of the new guys they brought in, like John Brown, Crabtree, along with Alex Collins, who is still around, even uh, Buck Allen, um, who's still there. And you have a guy like Justin Tucker that uh, can kill you every time he lines up for a kick, even a 50-plus yarder in Heinz Field. Um, this is going to be a crazy game. It's going to go down to probably a three-point game again, like it always does. Um, where do you see it shaping out?
1: Oh, you, you hit the nail on the head as far as the uh, improved uh, Baltimore offense. I mean, they they have they have talent now on the offense. There's, there's no question about it. They don't have all pros. They definitely have have enough you know, talent there to 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 do damage. And we know how things go between them and the Steelers. so There's no point in me predicting a, a blowout because I know that's not going to happen. It's going to be, like you said, a one, two, three-point game. And I think it, it could it could go a long way towards determining the uh, paths of both teams next week, depending on what happens. So what's
0: your what's your prediction for a score next week, Tony?
1: I'm I'm going to go. I'd like to, for it to be 24 nothing, but I, I'd like to, I'm thinking to be another 24-23 type game. I'm going to go 24-23 Steelers.
0: All right, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to give the Steelers as many points as I've been giving them uh, plus 30 the whole year. I'm thinking that uh, this very easily could be a uh, a 17-13 game. I think it. Uh, I mean, it could be higher because we saw them do. Uh, Oh, was than 40 to 39 last year. Um, crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Steelers 29, Baltimore 26. Um, actually, Baltimore 27. Let's go 29-7. I've got to be optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm worried about this team next week. Um, it's going to be a tough game. But if the Pittsburgh Steelers are who we think they are, they – will win this game and end the first quarter of the season of two one and one. So that's where I'm at. Well, we're going to wrap things up here today, Tony. As always, it's been a pleasure. I enjoy your insight and I value all your opinions. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey,
1: yeah, you, you too, my friend. It was a pleasure as always. Go Steelers.
0: Go Steelers. So for Tony DeFeo, for behind the steel curtain, Frank Walker Law, and also would like to thank. Our callers, we had Vito calling in, and we had Ken, um, both from New Jersey tonight, calling in. So it's great to hear from them. We want to hear from you next week. And as always, go Steelers. You've just been hungover with Behind the still Curtain. Good night.
3: Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me, somebody?
2: Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today
1: my heart skips skipping the beach, and are not close enough so that space between you and me let's lose it no. the way you're dancing sway into the music girl that body and how you move it every time you cross my mind girl i lose it alexa play the country heat playlist
2: okay with amazon music a voice is all you need get
1: tens of millions of songs download the amazon music app today my name is spencer hall my name is jason kirk my name is ryan nanny and when we combine we form the, the shutdown, shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. i keep telling you we're not Poltron. the shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast but it's also a show about lawn care disasters regional grocery stores we love tennessee batman homeowners associations It's not Voltron.